Welcome to family night at Reengage. <laughs> this is this dad right here. Yeah, Papa John, John in the, the middle. And, uh, Papa John. Testing one, two. Yep. Testing, yep. Brother and sister on the side. My name is Ryan Nixon, <laughs> and this is Susan Cox and John McGee. He's kind of like dad to a lot of us, and uh, he keeps Susan and I out of trouble a lot of times. That is uh, my full-time job. That's, that's right. full-time job. Yep. Can you guys hear this okay? Test- okay, great. Perfect. Great. Um, yeah, so if you guys don't know, I, we do, I think, and I, I'm chief among them, do a really lousy job of introducing ourselves. <laughs> Anytime you see people up here, you have no idea who they are. So uh, Ryan and Susan are the directors of Reengage at the Dallas campus. And so that's who you guys interface with uh, most of the time, but they are the pastors, the shepherds, and the leaders of uh, this ministry, okay? So a lot of you kind of have no idea, but that's who kind of runs this thing, okay? Uh, and then my name is John McGee, and I'm the director of marriage ministry uh, here. So work with these guys and some of the other teams uh, as well. And so these guys had a uh, exciting and dangerous idea uh, for tonight. They said, what if we just throw it open and let people text in any question they have? And then we'll, uh, then we'll answer them, okay? So uh, that's, that is the agenda uh, for the night. It's kind of your agenda. So up there is going to be a uh, text in number, okay? So you will text in something. I will get it. And um, depending how hard, difficult, or awkward it is, I'll decide who uh, I'm going to give it to, okay? So uh, really, I don't know if there's really any ground rules. Definitely nothing you can't ask, but just don't. You know, hey, my husband's name is Bob, and he's a real jerk. What would you, what would you do? Okay, so just kind of, uh, just general, kind of general questions, uh, th- those type of things. Okay, but uh, so if we don't get to your question, doesn't mean that we didn't like your question. We just we we may not have uh, time. So I think we did ask you asked this earlier and did get a couple questions. So are you guys ready to go with a couple things? Okay, so great. Suze, why don't you go first? So finish this statement. I cannot change my spouse, but I can. By drawing a and working on. All right. So many times we get the question from couples, hey, I'm in my circle and I'm working on me, but man, there's a whole lot of cray-cray going on in that circle over there and I need to do something about it. I got to say something about his cray-cray. One, one gal just looked at me and she said, oh, fine, I'll work inside my circle, but I'm sure as heck that's not her word, but I'm going to tell him what he's going to do inside his circle. And so let's kind of break that down a little bit and just briefly talk about why. So Matthew 7, 3, 5 tells us that before we can see the speck in our brother's eye, we have to look at the log in our own eye. And so I have to be willing to see my own sin and deal with that with the Lord before I can come to my spouse and see what he or she is doing. And so I want to make sure that we understand that's that whole metaphor of drawing the circle and working on ourselves. Now, what happens when you do that is God definitely can use your obedience while you're working on yourself and doing all that you have control over to change. God tells us in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, he's talking to the wives But this verse equally, it just attributes to the husband as well. And it just says, even if a husband is being disobedient to the word, even if a wife is being disobedient to the word, that the Lord will use your chaste and reverent, obedient behavior to draw the heart of your spouse to him. And so if I'm in that circle working on me and I'm allowing God to change me, you better believe God can use my obedience to help draw my husband to do the same. But let's talk about what you do when that's not happening. 
Sometimes we do see that our spouse is living in sin. We see that our spouse is doing something that clearly goes against God's word. It's hurting the testimony of their faith. It's damaging the relationship with the Lord, and it's hurting oneness in the marriage. And that's the time that we, we cannot sit back and be quiet. We just can't, guys. The most loving thing that we can do, God gives us a format of how to do that, and he gives it to us in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. He gives us steps of what do we do when we see another in sin. And so if, if I'm watching my husband, I'm going to use Raul as an example, and if, if I'm working on myself and doing all that I can do, and I, I can come before the Lord and say, yep, I'm, I'm in good grace with you. I'm doing everything that I can do to have control over. But yet I see something that my husband is doing that, that's out of line. And so Matthew 18, 15 calls us, hey, we go to our brother or sister and we, we lovingly confront in private. And so I'm going to go to my husband. I'm going to say, hey, Roel, there's something that I see that, that's happening in the marriage. And I don't know where I can go in scripture where that lines up and it's in agreement with God's word. What's happening, I see it's also hurting oneness in our marriage, and I also see that it's damaging your testimony, and so this is something that we need to talk about, and so I would confront and lovingly talk it through, and the verse says, hey, if he repents, hey, you've you've won your brother over, but in the event that a spouse doesn't, that he or she continues to do that same behavior that's clearly hurting the marriage is sin and goes against God's word. Then scripture calls me in the next verse 16 that I'm to bring another with me. And so I go and I get another brother or sister in Christ and I come to my spouse and I lovingly confront again. If I win him over, great. But if not, then I take it to another level. Then I widen a circle and I'm going to involve, if I'm a member of a church, I'm going to involve church leadership. If you're a member of Watermark Church and you've done all of those things I, I mentioned previously, and that spouse still continues to live in sin, then you're not going to sit in quiet and just allow that to continue. You're going to raise your hand and come and let leadership know so that then we can come and get involved and lovingly come along beside you. There's a great document on our national website, reengage.org or marriagehelp.org. You might want to jot this one down. The name of the document is called Waiting on a Spouse to Change. Waiting on a Spouse to Change. These are 10 tangible things that you can begin to do right away while you're working on yourself inside your circle and the husband or the wife has still not changed behaviors. These are things that you can begin to work with right away. And so just to name a few, I mean, number one is I'm going to seek wisdom. I'm going to go to the Lord and what I'm to do and how I am to respond. I'm going to recognize that God is at work in my spouse. God is at work and doing the work. I may not see the fruit of that yet, but I need to trust that the Lord is at work in my spouse while I'm waiting on him to change. Be a peacemaker. Romans 12, 18, as far as it is up to you, you want to live peaceably with your spouse. Don't want to allow your despair to become your identity. You want to be able that you're extending mercy, grace, forgiveness. You want to be real cautious not to let bitterness take root. Hebrews 12, 15 addresses that one. And then lastly, it shouldn't surprise us all, but you've got to be willing to continually examine your heart 
continually that Psalm 139, 23 to 25, of just search me, Lord, and show me if there's any anxious way about me. And so you've got to continue to bring yourself to the Lord as well. And so definitely work on you inside the circle. But if you see a spouse living in sin and not doing what he or she has been called to do, don't sit in silence. Speak up. Awesome. I remember when Raul and Susan walked into this place and Susan couldn't even find her Bible, you know, and here she's up here just quoting all this stuff. It's pretty fun. So, um, great. So, um, that was, in fact, they took it like a sideways jab. That was a compliment. I was trying to, I got jeers from the audience. That was a, that was a compliment. Uh, you and Raul, uh, if we have to clean anything up afterwards, I'll start with Matthew 7 uh, first and before, uh, give, give me a shot before you uh, confront me. Uh, so but yeah, just remember, right, always Matthew 7 comes before Matthew 18. So get the log out of your eye first and then, yeah, absolutely go and bring others with you and, and all those kind of things. So Sue's gave you some great, great advice. So uh, Ryan, just some general questions on pornography and, and those kind of things. And so, um, so a ton you could say, but if you could just give us a few kind of, rather than just write, read questions, just kind of give us some right. general anchor Excellent. thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so pornography is a part of my story, and my wife and I even shared a little bit of that. You can go look at that resource um, if you'd like to. You've got 20 minutes of it. Um, but a couple things on just what is porn? Porn is something that both men and women struggle with, and when I, let me say, men and women give themselves to and, and are addicted to. And pornography is, whether it's images, um, literature, um, anything that, that we are beginning to lust after, whether it be sexual desires or affections for, that is not our spouse. Okay? And so, again, whether it's a movie, entertainment, literature, um, or images or videos, you know, on the internet, you know, wherever you would find them. And so that is pornography. And, and it's not just kind of full nudity. I mean, it is Sports Illustrated, swimsuit. It's, you know, fill in the blank. But anything that is taking us away from our affections, our desires being for our spouse. And Matthew 5 just talks about, hey, you've heard it said that if anyone commits adultery, um, he's sin. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery against her in his heart. And so one of the things sometimes we hear couples say is, hey, we don't really feel like either an individual says, I don't feel like it's that big of a deal, or my spouse doesn't mind. It actually helps us in sexual intimacy. And we want you to know that whether your spouse is consenting or not, uh, pornography in any way, shape, or form is extremely destructive to you, to your relationship with God, and to your marriage. Again, whether it is what you think of as hardcore porn, or it's just the little Fox News things at the very bottom of Fox News that kind of says, hey, here's what the celebrities are doing this summer. And you're going and looking there to lust after something. So I've clicked on those before, right? That's, that's pornography. Okay, and so um, what we need to do, just like with any sin, we need to confess it, we need to renounce it, repent of it, and then if needed, do whatever we need to do to fight vigilantly against it. Okay, and so just like uh, it talks about in Matthew 5, right after that passage, it says, hey, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and get rid of it. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and get rid of it. And we have to, whether it is with pornography or fill in the blank of whatever your flavor of sin is, we have to be willing to get rid of things of our li in our lives that are leading us away from oneness with Jesus and oneness in marriage. And so if that means getting rid of a smartphone, you know, internet browser or whatever it is, if porn is where you find yourself going to, be willing to get rid of it. I'm not saying that you have to get rid of it. 
But I'm saying we need to fight vigilantly against any sin that is keeping us from oneness with Jesus and oneness in marriage. And like, uh, there's a bunch of other resources on marriagehelp.org on the topic of pornography. And then also Scott Kadersha, who's on our marriage team, he's written a number of blogs. And his blog is scottkadersha.com. I'd really encourage you to go there because he also has some other resources on there as well, just on how do you fight against pornography. Awesome. Okay. There's no way we're going to get to all these questions, but we're going to go through a couple of these. Okay. One I, I love just came in. How often do you update your re-engaged curriculum? What are you saying? Right? So uh, all I'd say is, uh, man, if you got any ideas, you think we should update it, well, fire away. Okay. Uh, that'd be my answer uh, to that one. So, um, so one, one, lots of sex questions. Okay. Uh, one, uh, starting like anywhere from we're not having sex to uh, we want to have sex every day. So what do we do? Uh, so one of the questions was, how do you reintroduce sex back into your marriage? And so, you know, take it, hey, we've come here. We haven't had sex in a long time. And it, I mean, we could be honest, it's, it's pretty hard oftentimes to kind of uh, move back in that direction. It's kind of like the bear in the cave. And we're not sure, um, you know, how to even begin to take a next step. And so I, I, because I have no idea about all the specifics, I, I don't know exactly how to, uh, to answer this, but and there's been couples and there's generally goodwill uh, between them. And they've said, John, what, what do we do? And, uh, you know, I'll say, man, can you guys, have you guys started kissing and like making out like you used to when you weren't supposed to? No? Okay, why don't you, why don't you try that? Okay. And, uh, and just see, uh, see how that goes, you know? And so, hey, have you guys, uh, you know, been, been naked and just kind of cuddled? No? Hey, why don't you go... go uh, Go, go try that. And then they don't, I don't normally come back for additional steps uh, <laughs> after that. Uh, I kind of figured out after that, okay? <laughs> it's true. I, I've never had a conversation after that. Um, but, but, I, but I love the question, okay? And I think for some of us, like, it would, we'll get to the sex chapter and all of our hopes and dreams are pinned on that one thing and we just hope it will go well. And they'll listen and kind of get the you know, get whatever fixed they need to get fixed so we can get back uh, at it. And, uh, and I would just encourage you to look your spouse in the eye. If that's your biggest frustration, right, just say, you know what? Even if that doesn't get better, I still love you. I, I want to take a step that way. And I, hope, I sure hope we can. But you don't need to feel pressured. Like, that's what this is all about here, right? I think it's what God wants us to do and move towards and experience all the blessings of physical oneness. But it's, it's so much bigger than that. I want to pursue oneness in every way, even if it doesn't happen that way. And we're going to move real slow. Uh, and we can move at, at your pace, but I love you, okay? And I don't want to force you to do anything um, that you want. So there'll be some more sex questions. We can come back um, to some of those. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, go ahead. One of these the came in. The next question that was on there was, hey, mm-hmm. as newlyweds, how do we begin to grow together spiritually? And I love wherever you are in this room, and I love that you have asked that question because that question determines the foundation of your marriage. It does. I mean, when you really understand that relationship with Christ has to come first, how do I do that with my wife? And so just practically speaking, I'm going to come together and pray. I'm going to understand that the Lord, Colossians 1.17, that he is to be above all things, and in him all things hold together. And so as a newly married couple, if I understand from day one that God is going to be the leader of our home, and under the Lord, the husband's going to submit to the Lord, and then the wife is going to come under the, the husband's leadership as she submits to the Lord as well. Spiritual strength in a marriage is going to come in you putting the the spiritual disciplines into place, spending time in God's word, 
being in prayer? What does it look like to devote myself daily to growing in the use and knowledge of his word? Equip Disciple is a ministry here at Watermark that's going to help you take that step toward really understanding what it looks like to walk and learn and you know, be in God's way. Uh, Join the Journey is another resource that you can put on your phone, and you'll get a daily dose of God's Word every day. And then as you come together as husband and wife, you want to have those spiritual conversations. The most intimate thing that you could ever do with your spouse is talk about their relationship with Christ. And and we believe, man, a, a marriage that is spiritually rich physical intimacy can be built on that foundation. And so look at spending time in God's word, being in prayer with one another, challenging each other to grow in scripture, asking each other, hey, what is God teaching you in the word this week? And if you start to have those conversations early on in your marriage, oh my goodness, the fruit that that can bring in in the later years. Raul and I are very jealous. I mean, we'll celebrate 32 years of marriage this summer, and and that is a foundation that we did not put into practice early on in the marriage. And we can tell you now, being on the other side of what God's done in our story, God's word and spending time with him is what's changing everything. Love it. Love it. All right. Next one, uh, you know what, my wife's not here tonight, but she could have texted this question in a number of times over the last 10 years. Um, how do I follow when my husband won't lead? And so one of the things humanity's seen from the beginning of time, you know, since fall, is men being passive um, and then women being controlling. Women saying, hey, this man who's supposed to lead isn't leading, so therefore I'm going to do it. And just like any sin... Sin is just uh, something that's not God's best, that's in our lives and in a marriage. We want to approach it the same way, you know, Matthew 7, then Matthew 18. Um, But begin to talk to them about what you desire for them to do, not in a condemning or controlling or a dripping faucet type of way. There's a proverb that just talks about, you know, contentious woman is like a dripping faucet. But in a way that really says, husband, I, I love you. And, and I want to see you be the, God that, be the man that God's made you to be. And so here's, here's some ways. Don't back the dump truck on him. But here's some practical ways that I'd, I'd love to see you lead, uh, you know, me and us uh, this week. And then as you're talking through it, you know, if he, if he fails in that, just continue to give him opportunities to lead. If he fails, you know, once, twice, third time, don't say, okay, now it's time for me to take back over. But continue to give him opportunities. And then if he's not responding, what did Susan talk about earlier? Then you involve more people. You bring others in to say, okay, hey, we're still struggling with this on on what this looks like for him to lead in these areas and me to follow. Will y'all help me follow as a wife? Guys, will you help him lead as a husband? And so involve your current community group, your small group, which is your re-engaged group. Involve your leaders and allow them to come alongside you. Matt and Sonia McEwen, they shared last week, this is a part of their story, and, and I believe, you know, maybe a year ago, they shared on this very topic mm-hmm. of kind of passive husband, controlling wife, and that'd be a great resource to go back and look to, but again, as we look at these different topics, you know, we can get really complicated with this situation, and here's how it looks, here's how it turns, but how do we go back to, what does God's word say? There's conflict in our marriage, Matthew 7, Matthew 18, widening the circle, you know, seeking the other's interest is more important than my own, which just talks about in Philippians 2, and just really seeking to love each other and help the husband and the wife be the husband and wife God's created them to be. And so, again, uh, 
bring that, bring that up to your re-engage leaders tonight. You know, if y'all are trying to work towards what God's best is um, with men leading and, and wives coming alongside them. Awesome. Okay. This is now turned into frustration because there's like a whole uh, mess of questions. Um, someone was asking about the document that Susan referenced. And so I think if you'll just Google it, uh, the title is Waiting on a Spouse to Change. If you can't find, it, find that, just type marriagehelp.org and space and that, and it should, should come up. If you can't, don't worry about it. Uh, just email, email us, okay? Uh, one question, what do you do when I'm in a situation and <clears throat> my husband tells me or others tell me I'm just to submit and there's abuse going on, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I will just tell you that there's nothing in Ephesians 5 that would condone uh, or allow or even hint at the possibility of someone claiming uh, spiritual authority to abuse. Okay? It's not in there. And if someone's telling you otherwise, um, you need to raise your hand and you need to bring some others uh, in. Call me. Okay? Uh, you guys come and sit down, uh, bring your leader, and we will sit down and uh, we, we will walk through that. But do not. And uh, so... When you're, when you're a newly, when, before you're married, there's no text that would ever lead you to believe that your girlfriend should wear less clothes or no clothes. It's not in there, okay? And when you're married, there's no text that would ever allow you to be a jerk, uh, mean, or even abusive. It's not in there, okay? And that's a misapplication, and let us walk with you through that if that's going on, okay? Um, can I look at a naked picture of my wife? Uh, and I would say, well, does she, does she, is she aware of the picture uh, would be a question. Um, and so I would just say a couple things. Uh, one, you would never, you would never force uh, your spouse, either sex, to take a picture of themselves that they didn't want to. Okay? Uh, secondly, you need to ask what is wise. And um, I've got visibility that you don't have, but I have actually met people who found pictures and videos of their parents uh, when they grew up, and it still messes with them, okay? <laughs> like, deeply. And, uh, and I, I don't know if this has ever happened, but our phones like, have somehow gotten crossed where other people in the family are getting other text and things like that. So all that can happen, and people with lots of resources get their stuff hacked all the time uh, who are actually paying people to make sure that doesn't happen. And so you are no... Uh, no one's special. Uh, you don't have the NSA on your side. And that stuff, anything you put online or text could get out, okay? So I would be incredibly wise. There's no Bible verse, but I would say if you're forcing, asking, asking someone to do something against their will, that is clearly out of bounds. Uh, and then you got to decide, is that wise? So do you have some wisdom there? You're yeah, like, I'm gonna, well, okay. do share. I totally disagree. No. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, one of the questions that may come alongside of that is, you know, is it okay, you know, let's say we're, we're not together, you know, and so therefore I want, you know, my wife's doing that so that I can masturbate while I'm looking at my wife and not someone else, you know. And so coming back to what's the purpose of sexual intimacy, what's the purpose of orgasm, all those things, is that it's to bring us closer together as one, you know, and that uh, there's, there's people who love Jesus who land on different sides of just that question right there. Is it okay to masturbate? you know, as a husband or, or as a wife when I'm not with my spouse. Um, and so just coming back to, okay, why, why am I choosing to do that? And is this really helping me draw closer in oneness towards my spouse and oneness with Jesus? Is this helping me practice Philippians 2, where I'm considering my spouse is more important than myself? 
Um, and so just coming back to saying, okay, what does, what does God want for me in this situation? Um, and then, and if, if you still have questions, being able to widen that to, to friends who love you and who love Jesus and who are going to help walk through um, that question and probably many others that you don't know where you chapter and verse, um, you know, can I masturbate to an image of my wife or not? And so just that, that's one that I kind of want to put on there. Awesome. Okay. Quick parting shot. Take one question. Parting shot. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. So one thing that Roll and I have learned in our journey of coming through reengage, finishing reengage, and now on the other side of serving it, if, if Roll and I could leave you with a word tonight of what made all the difference, it's the word abide. It's just abiding in Christ and obeying his word. At Jeremiah 15, 16, it's just kind of one of my faves right now, and I, I don't know that I have the whole thing memorized, but it's, I found your words and I ate them and they were soothing and restoring to my soul. And we, we tried a lot of stuff to fix each other and to change our marriage. And what Roll and I discovered through this whole journey, guys, was just simply abiding in Christ, obeying his word, and doing what his word tells us to do. And when we both devote time in his word every day, God's word continues to change us on a daily basis. And that's what draws sweet, sweet oneness in your marriage. Awesome. As I think about any of these questions we've talked about or other questions that we didn't get a chance to talk about, um, a passage that I've increasingly come more and more to as I'm sitting down with, with men or with couples um, is one that I learned a long time ago and I, I haven't before these last two years maybe used ever. And it's just Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Like it's such as like one of those first verses I memorized 20 years ago and you can have that verse and that verse alone and have an intimate relationship with Jesus and love people well. And it just says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and God will make your path straight. And so there's three commands for us and one promise from God. So in any situation, any question that you sit in here, what does it look like for you to trust God? Trust that he's good, that he loves you that he died for you, that you're redeemable, you know, that you're not outside of grace? What does it look like for you to not trust yourself, your own wisdom, the wisdom of this world, you know, the thing that entertainment or your buddies are telling you, whatever else, who don't love Jesus? And then what does it look like for you to understand God's will? So look in this book right here and figure out what has God already spoken to about this situation or maybe the root issues behind the situation, and then what does it look like for me to yield, to submit, to obey what God's asking me to do? And then it, it really is, like God makes your path clear. When you look at his word and say, okay, here's what God's word has talked about. I'm not to be selfish in this moment, so I'm not gonna masturbate, because that's for me. You know, so okay, it's clear, here's what I'm doing next. You know, fill in the blank with your question. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust God, don't trust yourself, Know God's will, and then submit to it, and your next steps will be clear. Awesome. Okay. So a uh, couple, couple quick ones. What's, what's next after re-engage? We don't have a re-engage part two. Uh, this is it, man. This is all you got. And so, uh, so take advantage uh, of it, those of you guys that are uh, getting, uh, getting done. Uh, and the, always, our next call is to community groups, uh, to a small group of people who uh, love you and love God are going to help you um, 
love God and love each other and live on mission together, okay? So if you go to Watermark, there's a clear path there. If, it's, if you go to another church, I just encourage you to find some place, okay? Find a church, you can do that. At, at, do that at your church. If your church, and here's like, we, we don't care where you go to church, okay? Uh, but we do care that they do believe uh, in the, the deity of Christ, right? Salvation by grace through faith. And they will call you to full obedience, not just a neat little uh, touchy uh, feel-good sermon, but open up the scriptures and say, this is what it says, this is what we're going to do. And if you're not going there, if you're not going to that church, have a conversation with the pastor, right? And if he won't change, then go somewhere else and find a group of people that can help you and call you to the things that are in uh, scripture laid out uh, clearly there. But be thinking about that, okay? Don't come to the end and go, shoot, now what are we going to do? Uh, because we won't provide childcare uh, for you while you go figure it out. Okay, we want to walk with you, uh, but be thinking about that now. Okay, there you go. Yeah, no, no free. I just planted an idea, and somebody's. Uh, we actually have mechanisms to keep you from gaming the system, unless you, uh, unless you get any ideas. Okay, um, what, what if I'm married? What if I'm in my second marriage? Um, how do I know that I'm supposed to stay there? Okay, and we would just believe uh, Matthew 19 applies to you. And that when you got married, there's something kind of supernatural happened, and uh, it, it was probably quoted at your, um, at your wedding, right? Well, God's joined together to let no man separate. And so you didn't just choose each other. Uh, God somehow joined you. And, uh, and you're, to, you're, to live out, uh, you're to live out your vow um, now that you've made, okay? And you're to keep your vow just the same way that God has kept his vow with you, irrespective of what you've done. Uh, that's what you're supposed to do, okay? So uh, lots of questions about abuse and, and things like that. And so if, if you think that's going on, uh, I would encourage you to reach out to your leader. But again, come back to what I said. There's nothing in Scripture that would uh, even hint at that being a possibility uh, are, or okay, okay? So we're, uh, let us walk with you through that. And I'll just close with this one. It's a great question. Um, how, how do I uh, feel in love uh, with my spouse again? I'm not even sure that um, I ever... Uh, I ever did in the first place, okay? I'm not even sure uh, how, to love my, how to love my spouse. I don't think I ever even love them. And so two, two thoughts. One, um, they will do research on couples and they will ask them um, about their marriage, the early years, honeymoon, those kind of things. And it actually doesn't matter what happened on the honeymoon or what happened in the early years. It has everything to do with the state of their marriage at the time they were asked the question, right? So if they're doing amazing, uh, they will say, man, the honeymoon, first years, awesome, we're so in love, right? And if they're driving each other crazy, they'll go, man, it was a disaster. I'm not even sure we ever loved each other, okay? So couples all the time, it's, it's one of the last things you say before you kind of pull the plug. I'm not sure I ever really loved them. And I would just say, I, I don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. It's just what you think in the moment, what you feel, and oftentimes what we tell ourselves to make it easier. But I don't think that's true for most people, right? Because they asked those same couples, uh, they were doing great now about the honeymoon. And like they could have literally, uh, she could have been sick the entire uh, time in Cabo and it was raining and they didn't have sex, but they will literally go back and go, it was great. We started our marriage together and it was so fun, you know? And like, you guys not remember what happened? Like, oh yeah, didn't remember that, okay? And conversely, all the other faults and things get highlighted when they're not doing well. So that'd be point one. Point two, uh, I think that, that loving feelings follow loving actions. And so oftentimes we wait until we feel uh, like loving the other person to move towards them. And I think what happens is actually if we do things that are loving and that are kind, 
the feelings become the caboose, not the locomotive, and they tend to just kind of uh, show up uh, along the way, okay? And I think that um, we can just use Christ as a model who didn't wait for us to get our stuff together and to be lovely, and in fact, just the opposite, and he initiated with us. And somehow, I mean, this is just a, a crazy thought that when he died, Scripture said it was for the joy set before him. Is that crazy? And I think that even if your spouse somehow isn't responding the way that you would desire them to, that if you will move towards them, I think somehow you can do so because of the joy set before you, and you can even begin to have feelings for them, even if they don't change. And you'll see them as God's son or daughter, and you'll see them as having incredible value. And you'll see them as being someone that he was so crazy about that he chose to die for. And you can move towards them, and oftentimes um, the feelings uh, will follow. But don't wait for the feelings to come um, and, then, uh, uh, and then take action afterwards. Try, try the other way. Um, I think that's the biblical model. I think that's the way that's been uh, borne out here. Okay? So, um, it's actually lots of other really great questions. And uh, so this is incredibly frustrating to close this laptop, uh, but I will. And uh, maybe, maybe this is the point. Um, but there's nothing you guys can't ask or that you can't bump up against that you can't uh, trust us with. And so, whatever your question, no matter how difficult, no matter how crazy you think it is, right? I'd encourage you to ask your leader. And, um, and if they don't have the answer, we'll, we'll work with them to find the answer. But don't you dare go, well, these guys can't handle that. Or they would, be, they would run me out of the room if, uh, if they knew what I was asking. Ask, okay? Let us walk with you. So if this is your very first time uh, to re-engage, really, really glad that you guys are here. I think um, this will be the beginning of a really fun night in a second. Most everybody's going to walk out those back doors. A few of us will stay here. This is our newcomers group. It will happen right here. And uh, Susan and Rawl uh, will share their story, share about re-engage. It's going to be, you'll really enjoy getting to know them and kind of hearing about the next steps for re-engage. Okay, if you're in a closed group, you should know uh, where you are. If you're in an open group, you're going to go out those doors and over to the tower. Just pick one of those uh, rooms. We've got some great, great open group leaders uh, tonight that you're going to enjoy uh, getting some time with. Next week, um, we'll have popsicles out by the pond, so we'll knock off a little early, and you can let, you know, little, little Timmy run around with, um, uh, you know, popsicle goo all over his hand, and then go get in your car. It'll be a great time, okay? But we can, um, but we can just kind of hang out. No, no, one's, uh, no one's in a rush, and we can just be out there, and, you know, some of us just want to get to know each other, and we haven't met, and just stick your hand out. Hey, what's your name? What's your story? Um, you know, glad, glad to meet you kind of thing, okay? Is that it? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, you guys have a great night pursuing oneness. We'll see you next week.